you need to have reinvent mindset uh, to constantly have that thinking that I need to evolve, I need to do, I need to try different skills, I need to then, um, you know, immerse myself, apply, integrate, interpret it, and, and apply it in the context. You're listening to the Wholehearted Podcast, and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And in today's episode, I'm really excited to be talking to a very good friend of mine. She's a lady that I highly, highly respect. Because every time I talk to her, it seems like I'm attending a 30-minute MBA class. She has great views about several of the topics in today's corporate world. gleaned from her years of experiences working for some of the top MNCs in the world. And so I'm very happy to welcome today Adeline Tia. Welcome, Adeline. Hi, Cohen. Thank you for having me. Uh, privilege to be on the podcast. Thank you, Adeline, for being on this podcast. And Adeline, I just want to congratulate you for recently launching and publishing your book, Reinvent 4.0. And I'm really excited to be talking to you about some of the contents of this book today because there's never been a more important time than now to have that reinvent mindset. So can you share with us a little bit more about what are some of the ideas that you cover in this book? Well, the premise of my book was about um, that people are living longer these days, right? And with the global mega trends that's happening right now in the world, you see the geopolitical uh, tensions between US and China, um, as well as the aging population, and climate change, and, and Industrial 4.0. And because of this big global mega trends that's disrupting people's life and people are working longer, you can expect that there will be infant inflection points in our lives. Um, that is the premise of my book, that we need to constantly embrace a uh, mindset of uh, permanent reinvention to be undestructible. Fantastic, fantastic. So just to cover a little bit about the ideas in the book, right? Actually, she has a very, very useful uh, acronym, right, for reinvent. And R stands for risk-taking mindset. Yeah, so my first, uh, it actually stands for acronym. My first, the R stands for risk-taking mindset. E is entrepreneurial thinking. You don't need to be an entrepreneur to think like one. Uh, I stands for inclusiveness in a multi-generational workforce. You need to be able to harness diversity of a multi-generational workforce to, to work well in the future. And we have N, which stands for noticeable, but that is personal branding. And we have um, V, right, which is vulnerable, being authentic, recruiting yourself. E stands for empathy, N stands for networking, and T stands for transdisciplinary learning. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. And I think you have a lot to offer for, to our listeners today, right? So uh, let me just start with the first question, Adeline. And it's a question that we ask all our guests on this show. What does living a wholehearted life mean to you? So, well, I think living a wholehearted life means, uh, well, to me, was it's more like being authentic, being true to yourself, your own values, and living life on your own terms. And just embracing imperfection, um, be comfortable with who I am. Wow, fantastic. I mean, being comfortable with who you are. Can I just ask a question to you? It's like, have you always been comfortable with who you are? Have you always been like that? Or is it something that you have learned to do? 
it's something that I have grown into it. When I was much younger, when I first graduated as a young upstart, being ambitious, I always compared myself to not even my peers, people who are ahead of me, right? So I don't run my own race. I run my race according to people's race. So over the years, as I go through different life stage, I became a parent. Uh, then I realized uh, my perspective changed. Don't look at just climbing the corporate ladder. I had to think of my other roles, being a mother, being, being a wife, being uh, a sibling, and being a friend. So life is so more multifaceted. Fantastic. Um, maybe talk us to some of the pivotal moments in your life, right? Especially in your career. Um, I, I think we've spoken about this a few times before. Maybe you'd like to share with some of our listeners, right? Like, what are some of the pivotal moments in your career that's really changed your perspective? Well, actually, there were three pivotal moments in my career. The first one was when I was 25, when I had to choose between a global bank, which is a global footprint, that was a prestigious bank, versus a telco startup, which was not a multiple launch. And I, the second pivotal moment was was when I took a career break to be do something very different. And my third pivotal moment was when I decided to join a startup setup. So let me go through with you a bit more details. My, there's my stories around the three pivotal moments. When um, earlier in my career, I had option to choose between a global bank and, and a non, uh, non-branded startup. I, I decided to take the calculated risk because what could happen if I if I would join a local startup with an opportunity to, to disrupt the whole industry. So I decided to take the opportunity. Um, it was a sunrise industry. Uh, what, could have, what could the worst happen, right? And I had one of the best rights in, in my career. I spent nine years in a telco brand. That was when I had a career breakthrough. I took strategic risk. And then again, fast forward, um, in 2017, I took a career break because I wanted to try doing something different and I was very intentional about coming back to work after my career and I got myself certified as a coach uh, as part of my leadership development managed to practice as a coach and that changed my perspective in fact that was actually the, the season in my life that, I, that contributed uh, gave me a lot of context to, to what to my book I recent and the third pivotal moment was when I decided to join a startup once again a fintech this time, and my North Star was really because I wanted to join a rising uh, sunrise industry, right? Fintech is the password, and that actually shaped my perspective as well. I got I got into the world of um, the Jown Scrum methodology, growth hacking, and learning new skills, and and best of all, I I did skills myself to be a team coach in the process as well. Wow, it seems like you have always, um, you know, uh, disrupted yourself, um, you know, by taking on new new learnings, uh, new roles, and and everything. It's it's quite a calculated risk, isn't it? Um, because I think the traditional idea of, of career progression is that you know you you join a a good company, you work hard, and then you kind of progress up that ladder. But you have uh, had experiences from various industries, right? And so, what was the thought process behind all of that? Well, I, I'm, I'm a learner, so I always think that if I'm not learning on the job, uh, that's when I need to move. And I plan, I always, it's, it's very important to think of uh, not just your next point, right, but the career strategy. 
So in fact, I spent uh, nine years in the telco industry. I spoke to a recruiter. I was very comfortable. I was actually managed a multi-million dollar advertising budget. I was getting invited to to speak at industry events and winning marketing awards. So so until a late counter called me and told me that if I stay on in the same company, I will be a fixed asset. At that time, I didn't quite comprehend what it meant, right? But I just, I just, she sold me the job. So I joined the banking industry uh, at the end. First six months were t- was tough because I had to deal with culture shock. Different people uh, come with baggages. From moving to a telco to a bank was a very different industry. But what I did well was that I make sure that it was the same function. It was a, actually a bigger role. Wow, wow. Um, what a what a word to say. Uh, it's like if you don't move, you're a fixed asset. Um, can you share a bit, a little bit more with me about what exactly does that particular uh, mentor or boss say? Uh, mean when you say that, by hunter, yeah. Well, um, and actually, if I con- now where I am now, if I connect back the dots, um, I have friends who who were in the same company for seventeen years. They might have grown in their uh advanced in their career, obviously in the seventeen years. But when they were disrupted or well, for whatever reasons, right, they choose to leave because not happy with the new boss or new environment, they feel burnt out. And when they move out of the organization and try to find a new role, they were entirely lost because all that they knew in their entire world was within the same company. Whereas for me, I have made a very concerted effort to move industry, uh, move roles, and that has given me new perspectives, helped me build net, new network. And it makes me make me actually more agile. Wow, what a what a sound bite. It's like you mean that Hey Hunter actually told you that if you stay in the same company, you're gonna become a fixed asset. Less like you're gonna be a furniture, right? I mean, but let me just be contrarian and have have a bit of a counter argument over here, right? I mean, there are a lot of our listeners who are probably listening to this podcast. You have probably stayed in the same company, the same industry for, for several years, right? And uh, probably you'll uh, be, be feeling like, oh no, why be a fixed asset? But I mean, what's the argument for, you know, even staying within the same company, the same organization, the same industry? Can people still reinvent themselves? Yes. In fact, when I was in the same organization for nine years, my on my first job, Telco M1, I, I changed my role every three years. Um, so that brought me to the idea about building career lattice, right? I not only focus on I think I stopped focusing on climbing the corporate net. I focused on building new skills. So every three years, I moved on to a different role and I actually took on expanded responsibility. So that was when I understood what it meant by bringing career matters because after nine years, I realized that I had a breadth of skills that made me very, very marketable. And that was a career capital I have built over time. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, can you expand a little bit more about the idea of career lattice? A career lattice is about, I mean, the future of work is no longer about um, um, a vertical wall, right? We need to do new skills. In fact, we, there's always this question about, are you, is it better to be a specialist or a generalist? I would say you need to be, you need to find a genius skill, something that you're good at, but build uh, parallel skills, skills that will often what you do. So for example, when I was um, learning you know, I was marketing. I've always been very deep with marketing. Yeah, marketing is my key uh, in my DNA. I, but along the way, I learned about human-centered design thinking, which is actually a good thinking tool to help me uh, facilitate and cover customer insights that help me in my marketing role. I learned about, um, I learned coaching. And coaching helps me in the way I lead. And all these skills are not directly related to marketing. 
uh, the different domains, but it helps me do my job a lot better. So that's what I meant by Kubernetes. Wow, fascinating, fascinating. And earlier also you talk about uh, career capital. I think uh, this is a book, that, uh, this is an idea that actually came from uh, a book I read uh, by Cal Newport. It's called Being So Good That They Cannot Ignore You or Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. And um, he talked about career capital. Can you explain a little bit more about career capital? I've realized that I've worked enough years to build enough social capital and 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 career capital. Yes. I don't need to. I don't need to no longer look for a job. Uh, people look for me, right? Because they know that with my skill sets, I can actually uh, create value. Career capital is skill sets we require, and not just. Uh, we always talk about embrace lifelong learning, right? But lifelong learning is uh, not effective if you're not able to apply and monetize it. So it's important that we will, uh, when you accumulate a career capital all the time and work on different roles, you are able to apply it in different contexts. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, so, I mean, career capital is uh, the idea of, uh, you know, being so good they cannot ignore you, right? It's like, um, obviously, you talk about application and, and learning. I think a lot of people here in Singapore are given a lot of opportunities to learn, right? but I think what's what is sometimes a bit uh, missing is that application, the application uh, aspects of it. So um, can you share with us a little bit more about how do you consciously apply uh, what you have learned, uh, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's it through a program, whether it's it through online or even by reading a book? How did you apply all these skills on your job? How did you seek opportunities to apply these, these skills? Well. Well, firstly, I would be very strategic in my choice of what I want to learn. Uh, for example, when I learned human-centered design thinking, I could see that, per firstly, it was a skill that uh, is in demand. You need to have good design thinking skills because it helps you uncover customer insights. So when I got myself certified, I put up my hand uh, to my board and say, I want to facilitate some ideation workshop. And obviously, it's, it's more than happy, right? So adding value to the organization. So in my previous role, uh, when the, again, when I was working for a bank, I was one of the internal coaches. That was something I didn't call Wimbo. So when you're working in an organization, volunteer yourself for jobs that's outside of jobs. But obviously, you need to do the job well. So when I was an internal coach, there was an opportunity for me to uh, skill myself. It was a training grant. I took maybe a training grant and I did skill myself from being an executive coach to a team coach because I thought that was a natural progression. I need teams, right? And it was so timely because when COVID hit, we everybody was going out to remote working, we had to call, just dampening um, employee engagement. So then I was able to use, to apply what I learned immediately uh, to build uh, employee engagement, to build team charter. And that's how I I built, I, I, I learned and applied and over time, I found. Fantastic. I think you also talked about how um learning team coaching has helped you to be able to help uh, your CEOs, right, uh, to build a human-centric systems, right, to, to bring their strategies to life. I used to um, de help CEOs de-risk their business by helping them identify the strategic blind spots and develop their go-to-market strategies. Now I have conversations with CEOs to help them de-risk their business by helping them grow the organizational culture, building high-performance team. And I, I'm in a very good place because I come from a commercial space, right? I understand what they're going through and I can speak their language. Fantastic, fantastic. In your book, right, you mentioned something about entrepreneurial thinking. And I think that this, this 
I mean, just the label of entrepreneurial thinking is a, a, a bit of a misnomer, right? So, um, for example, sometimes organizations will say, why would I want my people to have entrepreneurial thinking when they will start their own business, right? And on the other hand, you know, people who are working in organizations, some of them may think, you know, I don't really have a desire to run my own business, right? So how, how can I actually have an entrepreneurial thinking? You don't need to be an entrepreneur to think like one. If, can you imagine if every employee in an organization think like an entrepreneur, the organization will be very innovative, right? Because you need to look at solving problems and it starts with the customer, right? What problems are you solving for the customer? And not just, okay, I'm going through my checklist today, I finished task A, B, C. Of course, there are tasks to be done. But to think beyond that, um, it always have this uh, first principle, right? To think about what is it the problem you want to solve? Yeah. And that's where design thinking comes comes in because when I wrote my book, I actually applied the design thinking framework in my book. Uh, what problem am I solving? Uh, what stories, uh, what solutions can I offer to the problem? And I actually uh, started my first draft uh, with divergent of ideas, uh, three books. My publisher came back and said, you are a bit too ambitious. You're writing three books in one. I was writing about uh, reinvent mindset as an individual, as a, as a leader, as as. Uh, as an organization and my publisher said you know three books in one you need to focus so I decided I'm going to start with an individual and which means from 11 chapters I have to only focus on a few chapters and one central idea and expand on it thankfully I was able to repurpose some of my existing content to that and rewrite another 50% so that's a design thinking process I, I went through yeah, actually, uh, inside your book, there was one, um, there, there's one page that really, really caught my thinking. It's like, uh, what, what is an employee mindset and what's an entrepreneurial mindset, right? So, uh, you know, for example, when you tell others that you, what do you want, that you want to make what you used to earn by working only 50% of the time, an employee will say, nah, that's not possible. But the entrepreneur will say, okay, let's find out how to make it happen, right? And um, the other one is also, of course, is like, um, especially this was about learning skills from different domains. It's like uh, for employees, they'll say, ah, this is a waste of time. This is irrelevant to my job. But an entrepreneur will think, it's like, oh, great. Now that I have this new skill, how can I create new opportunities with this new skill? And I really like that, you know, that the distinction between um, uh, the, 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 old, the, the old way of thinking about their jobs and the new way of thinking about their jobs. In fact, I think in a Harvard Business Review article, I think Peter Drucker in 2007, 2007, right? Uh, definitely a, a business thinker way before his time talked about how you need to take your own career in your own hands. You need to think like an entrepreneur. Yes. In fact, I the one book that inspired my writing and my career strategy is actually The Startup Was New by Reid Hoffman. I'm sure you came across that, right? So he talks about we need to need our own CEO instead of being an employee. So being entrepreneurial thinking means you are your own CEO, right? And you need to think about different revenue streams, well, different different ways invest in yourself. We all talk about investing in new wardrobe, spring cleaning, new furniture. What about investing in yourself? So that's something that a lot of people, it's not very intuitive to a lot of people. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, 
please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N.com. Indeed, indeed. Um, I think another book that also uh, inspired a lot of your writing is uh, The Hundred Year Life. Uh, yes. Can you share a little bit more about that? Well, the concept of our hundred year life, let me just share with you, yeah, like in 1960s, right? The average number of years of companies in S&P 500 um, is about 50 or 60 years. And the life expectancy of people at that time was 50 years. So you can imagine one people working in the same job, lifelong employment. But in today's context, we talk about people living longer, the life expectancy, global life expectancy is over one years, and Singapore is 83 years. And the average S&P, uh, average number of years companies in S&P 500 are 20 years. So what that means is that we need to look at um, people are living longer, and you can see that change is no longer constant, it is exponential. But this means is that we will be facing many disruptions or inflection points in our life. Therefore, it brings me back to my book about you need to embrace a mindset of reinvention uh, and to thrive and to be undestructible. And when I talk about reinvention, it's actually about uh, staying curious, uh, staying agile, and investing in your next trajectory while you are still growing. Right. So actually, Adeline, one of the more intriguing things that I remember from one of our meetups, right, is when you share with me that uh, it's not good enough just to have a growth mindset. Sorry, Carol Dweck. But it's more important today to have a reinvent mindset. Can you share with us a little bit more about what, why is it so important to have a reinvent mindset? Well, before that, let me ask you a question, Corey. Do you feel that uh, change is accelerating? Um, I think it's I think it's really beyond my, my ability to catch up really. So I don't even know if it's accelerating, but it's really too fast. Yeah. In fact, let me just share some uh, some uh, statistics with you. Right in the 1960s, average number of years of companies S&P 500 is 650 years. And the average lifespan of people is about 60 years. So you can imagine one person would have worked in an organization for a lifetime. And the average number of years of companies in S&P 500 is 20 years. So you can imagine the change as an accelerated business. Businesses are disrupted. And, and you know, people are leaving, having to live longer. They will have to face many inflection points in their life. So to be undisruptable, we need to continually embrace a mindset of reinvention. And let me share with you the story of Kodak and, and Fuji Philip. That's something that we can relate to, right? Kodak went bankrupt in like. 2012. And in the 1970s, when silver, the price uh, was going very high, both Fujifilm and Kodak suffered because they rely on um, silver in, in their film processing. But a few years later, when the silver uh, price plummeted, the business went up again. Kodak was complacent. They went on about doing their own business. And but Fujifilm was not contented. They remember the lessons they've learned. The CEO decided they need to think about reinventing themselves. So when they saw that Sony was actually at that time launching a digital camera, they decided to invest in building digital studios. They have about 4,000 studios, digital studios in US and by the 1990s and Kodak only had 100. So they couldn't catch up. 
And the story didn't end there, right? Because while processing the digital sperms, the CEO realized that, well, they actually used uh, several ingredients that were relevant for the cosmetic industries, for example, collagen, then technology. And they, in, and they used the same ingredients to build, uh, cos- to build a new product, cosmetic industry. And that's what I meant by, you know, in my book, uh, Reinvent, you need, our life will no longer be linear. We need to invest in ourselves in our next trajectory while you are still growing. And do not wait for when your career is in the sunset, then you, you, you grow a next trajectory. Okay, the next question, I just want to talk a little bit about um, noticeable, right? It's about personal branding and everything like that. So um, can you share with me a little bit more about your strategy and your thought process behind how you position yourself? Well, Cohen, I am a marketer, right? By profession. So I have to write this part of the book uh, in, 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 in my writing and do justice to, to my role. So, well, what I did was I, I applied what I learned at work, right? Be very consistent in branding, understanding who you serve, uh, who, is, who is the target segment, what I stand for, uh, what I believe in. And that helps me. Um, and of course, knowing what I'm good at, right? So, for example, I have over the years um, been a marketer. I built deep, deep skills. And now I actually, along the way, I learn new skills, become a coach. And, how, you know, how do I deal with this? It seems like different identity, right? So I have to think of a way to tell my narrative. So coaching is no longer, it's not, a, it's not like a separate career. It's actually changed the way I lead. So it's about storytelling. How do you tell a story that is coherent with your own journey as well? So that's that's uh, your sto- your forte as well, right? As storytelling coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a big fan of stories, and uh, I think stories really always um, tell the, the 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 best messages, right? So tell us a little bit more about uh, your networking skills, right? Because I mean, networking is one of those things that. For, for many people, you know, it's got a bad name, right? It's like, oh, it's like go out to, to, to cocktail parties and hand out name cards. Or some people think of networking, you know, the word networking itself, it just makes them go, oh, you know, so I'm an introvert, why do I want to go networking? But I understand you're an introvert yourself, right? So what's your strategy and what's your thought process about networking? Well, yeah, it was really tough for me when I first started networking, right? I just get, uh, I just get zapped out my energy when I go for networking events because I I do not know how to start a conversation. I do not know who to approach. And I decided, well, as part of my job, I'm a marketer. I need to go out there to be out there, to talk to people, to build connections. So to make a living, right, I need to build that skills. So I read up on books and learn how to, how to walk the room. But more than that, what I have applied is being very intentional, right, because I'm an introvert. So I set myself a task. Okay, I'm going there. Just need to talk to three people, um, do some research about the background, uh, ask three questions. And slowly, when I have achieved a little bit of success, I get more used to it and I just apply the same formula. But honest, honestly, if given the choice, I would rather be at the poolside, uh, sipping my my whiskey and, and reading my... <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But of course, um, networking, right, is something that you, you always say, right? I mean, I, I think remember you say something like, you don't network with an agenda. I mean, you, you network with um, with just to just to serve people, right? Instead of uh, going there to network and think about, oh, no, what can I get out of this, this event? Or what can I get out of this? I mean, it's a very important mindset to have. Yes. 
in fact, when I first started with that working, that was not the mindset. I always focus on what do I want out of it because we want to start collecting name cards, right? But after a while, it becomes meaningful and meaningless. So when I started um, volunteering, for example, as a mentor at the, at the nonprofit organization, I get to know people from different, different industries. And the power of network shows up really unexpectedly. So there was once I remember when I was mentoring a fellow mentor, mentor realized that, hey, you, you are getting yourself certified as a coach. And there is this outfit that is paying for a coach. Why don't you try? So, well, that landed on, on my lap. I, I went for the interview. I actually got the role and I was blessed to be able to still clock my hours, hold my skills as a coach and earn a living. And in fact, the tw I managed to coach 250 clients. Can you imagine over one and a half years that was doing a career break and I wasn't expecting that. And that actually uh, gave me the data point to, to write in my book, in fact. So the power of network uh, always shows up unexpectedly. In your book, you also talk about um, interdisciplinary thinking, right? And I, I'm somebody who actually am a big believer of that because uh, I have uh, always learn from different domains and I apply in different areas. And that's where I actually can and make breakthroughs. Like I can make, you know, like um, exponential gains in my career. And um, so what is your thinking around cross-disciplinary uh, learning? So I had somebody who came to me and asked me, oh, why, what's the point of learning too many things? Are you having too many things on your plate? Um, well, she's not, she's not wrong. Um, it's important that we focus. But it's all about a design thinking process, right? You need to try different things, um, you know, and then find a way to integrate them and make sense of it and be very focused, right? So I give you an example. I, I just got onto a new role last year as an adjunct lecturer at a, a local university in the School of Business. And I was able to leverage on my marketing experience uh, to teach students and I still make a living out of it. Um, so it's about applying what I've learned uh, in the different way. My delivery is different now uh, instead of to organizations, is to the schools, uh, to bridge the academia with the industry, right? So um, so in, in, in the benefit of you know, building these additional skills is that when you're able to integrate, uh, interpret them in the context, you actually create new pathways for yourself. Yes. And the future of work, right? And I want to go back to the future of work. People yes. are living longer staying um they need to work longer therefore and and with additional disruptions now no Facebook reflection points in their life so how do they which is back to my earlier point about how having a growth mindset is, is not enough you need to have a reinvent mindset uh to constantly have that thinking that I need to evolve I need to do I need to try different skills I need to then um you know immerse myself apply integrate interpret it and, and apply it in the context and, and before you know it, you have unconsciously reinvented yourself to something different and to something that's relevant in the new industry. Wow, 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 wow. Um, I, I really like, I really like, um, I mean, I like your, your, your divergent thinking. I also like your, 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 your focus. So how do you be divergent and focused at the same time? You know, people think, people think it's either one or the other, right? It's like either you are very divergent and therefore you never converge, you never integrate, or you are very... Uh, focused and it's like um, your tunnel vision is like this is my goal I want to hit my goal I want to hit my goal I want to hit my goal I really really like what you just said about you know it's like you need you need, you need, you need to have that try different things 
from a design thinking perspective, but then you also need to be focused, right? You need to be strategic. So it's not divergent for the sake of divergence. It's, it's divergence, but strategically divergent. You're testing, yes. you're experimenting. Yes. And then you're bringing different skill sets to the table. And because of the different skill sets, you know, the different tools in your toolbox, right? It allows you to be able to find the right right tool that that that's fit for the job. It's kind of like that. There's jobs to be done, right? Yes. Uh, so when there's a job to be done, right? Then you need to find the right tool to to shit that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I look at it. Um, when it comes to learning, right? You need to be an explorer. Mm. Um, learn. Um, and then when through the learning, you realize, oh, this is something I enjoy doing. It's something I'm really good at. Okay, then focus on those areas. There's something that you learn. Okay, this diminishing marginalities. I've learned enough. Just drop it. So need to be very strategic in that. And once you have learned, you try to apply. And when you apply, you integrate, right? So like, for example, as a marketer, as a business, now I'm no, in fact, now I don't even pigeonhole myself as a marketer. I'm a business leader because I have got commercial skills. So because of the skills that I have gained, I no longer pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself to a job title or job role. It is about what problems I can solve and what, what value can I bring to the organization. And that's where uh, I bring back the point I also wrote in my book about uh, creating a blue ocean. Um, this is a business uh, jargon, right? Blue. When you read ocean, that means there's a lot of competition. People yeah. are bleeding. Companies are bleeding because um, everybody's fighting, right? Red ocean. But I create a blue ocean is when you create a new market where people have, where companies have not thought of. You are unique in that space. Right. And the moment you have a blue ocean, people will come to you because they you have a unique set of skills. And then before you know it, um, the blue ocean may become red again. Then you need to find a new blue ocean. So that's what I meant by as a as a as a metaphor to is a metaphor and an analogy. It's, so, it's more an analogy, right? It's more an analogy, yeah. Yeah, it's more an analogy to to the point I made about be, being able to reinvent yourself. I coach people, I lead teams. And I have a skill set that I can help solve problems. Fantastic, fantastic. So now I'm going to ask you some questions that we ask our, um, all our podcast um, guests. And uh, this is like is what we call a quick fire round, right? So uh, just answer quick, short, sharp answers uh, that will do, right? So my first question is this. Who is a person you have met or uh, a supporter or mentor in your life that has made all the difference to you? Well, I have I have several, and in fact, the people who have made um the difference were very pivotal were actually coaches. And it was just uh, over a coffee chat conversation. Well, um, I remember when I first took a career break, I had a conversation with a coach uh, who is a retired senior executive. He was the one who set me on the path of uh, coaching, and and then years later, I happened to be talking to another coach. Um, and I asked her, I say, hey, I'm an executive coach. There are, there are just a sea of coaches out there. How do I differentiate myself? And of course, a good coach asks questions, right? He should, the coach doesn't answer me directly. So she asked me, okay, what are you good at? I say, well, I need teams. So that led, that conversation led me to pursue a, a certification in team, certification in team coaching. Wow. Next question. What's the most powerful question you have ever been asked before? I see, I think you already actually shared uh, this before already, but just um, answer you again, right? What's the most powerful question you have ever been asked before in your life? The most memorable one would be, what would an 80-year-old Adeline thank myself for what I do today? Wow. 
I'm curious to know. So yeah, but all, to that. People, people always ask about what would you tell our younger self, right? But this time yeah. round, moving forward. So I was stunned. I see, well, um, really, um, you know, recalibrating my life, uh, not just pursuing a career, just a, a, a straight career, which is why what took me to the path today. I've uh, reinvented myself. I published my book, uh, which opened new doors to me. So I would say that is uh, that was a powerful question, and another that was a conversation from another coach. So you see the power of coaching. Beautiful. What is one of the most courageous thing you have done in your life that's made all the difference? The most courageous things. Well, I've done many courageous things, like for example, getting married. Um, you know, uh, and uh, what else? Taking taking well. Taking a lot of career risk, right? Joining a startup uh, instead of a global brand that gave me a career breakthrough. Uh, taking with a leap of faith, quitting a job without a job, um, and also joining a fintech versus a um a conglomerate, which was a stable company. So being able to take strategic strategic risk was important for me. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you very much, Adeline. Um, so where can our listeners find out more about you if they'd like to um, catch up with you or if they'd like to connect with you? Well, connect to me on LinkedIn. I have got a very unique surname. So if you Google Adeline Tia, you can find me. Or you can you can um, check out my website, adelinetia.com. So there's, uh, how do you spell it? A-D-E-L-I-N-E-T-I-A-H.com. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, I think we'll put all the links to Adeline in the show notes uh, below in the description. And um, once again, Adeline, thank you very much for coming on the Whole Hearted Podcast and for sharing so much uh, nuggets of wisdom and uh, advice, especially for listeners uh, who probably could be on the crossroads or feeling that they are stagnating their career. I think you've offered us a very, very um, useful advice. And once again, I'd like to thank you wholeheartedly. Thank you, Cohen. Thanks for having me. And once again, uh, you have just heard from Adeline Tia. I think uh, we're going to take some of the lessons that she has shared with us, especially about having a reinvent mindset so that we can stay um, agile in our career. And I uh, hope that you'll be able to take some of this back and apply it. I think as we have discussed on this podcast, right, application is very, very important. And uh, meanwhile, to the next episode, stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you have enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode. To the next episode, stay wholehearted.